We're Ready Football Podcast. David Lawson and Stefan Hosen here to break down Chelsea versus Liverpool. What's up, Stefan? I'm good, man. How are you? Not bad at all. Sorry I couldn't make it last night to break down the Chelsea versus Liverpool game, but as you know, the time difference... It's hard after the games to stay up and do a podcast. But I'm glad to be talking to you now. Glad to hear from you, man. I'm surprised you even managed to stay up for most of that game. It was tough. It really, really was tough. But due to, due to the fact that I knew that I was going to have to talk to you later, I decided to stick with it to the very, very end. We admire the commitment to the cause. <laughs> if only Chelsea could have the same form of admiration to the cause <laughs> and actually showed, showed up. That would have been well appreciated by myself and I'm sure millions and billions others. But Stefan, Chelsea versus Liverpool, what jumped out at you? Uh, what jumped out to me? Well, there's things that surprised me and things that didn't surprise me. Let's start with things that didn't surprise me. Chelsea didn't look good. That didn't surprise me because if you go back to the Brighton game, despite the fact that they won, they didn't look good. Um, things that surprised me, Frank Lampard still went with, what was it that you called it, the magic square formation in the up front areas, the final third. It was weird. Kovacic came in for, for Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who I thought was diabolical against Brighton, and he didn't add anything to the team. Kante and Jorginho as a pivot, I've been saying since Sarri's first season, doesn't make sense on paper. It doesn't make sense on the field. So why are we going with it? The two of them in a pivot does not enable either of them to excel at their best attributes. And then we had Mason Mount. Huh, I'm starting to see what you're seeing. What, what does he do? Really and truly, what does he do? Well, I'm going to change the name from the Magic Square because Magic Square sounds fantastic. Sounds Compli something complimentary. Silly rectangle. Yeah. So Frank Lampard, and I'm going to tone down my comments. And the good thing about not doing a podcast with you right after the game was that my reaction would have been so harsh. So I'm going to tone down my reaction because it's still only the second game of the season. So, yes, he played a silly rectangle, but the thing that jumped out to me was what Gary Neville said in commentary. And those of you that didn't listen to it on Sky Sports, Gary Neville said before, before the first half ended, you can't, Chelsea can't go punch for punch with Liverpool because Liverpool just had all of the ball. They were really, Trent was back to being Trent. Robertson was picking up those positions unmarked around the box. And it was starting to, to turn Chelsea over bit by bit, right? Yeah. He said that Chelsea cannot go punch for punch. And I said, what? That comment annoyed me greatly. I'm like, Chelsea is supposed to be one of the best football clubs in the world. Chelsea just paid to get Germany's best striker. They just paid to get Germany's, if not best attacker, close to their best attacker in Kai, right? Who I've been hearing so much about, right? He's supposed to be a thrilling, riveting football player. Watching him play football, I saw nothing in him. He was neither dynamic, he was neither skillful, and he created nothing. I saw nothing. Tino, I give him some credit, the way he was moving from, from center to left. Uh, the only time Kai really moved was if he heard noise. Apart from that, and as I said, I'm going to tone down my reaction because it's still early in the season. 
my cousin Frank Lampard is playing this silly rectangle. And I said before the game, Frank Lampard just needs to stick to what works. Play 4-3-3. And of course, we know when you say 4-3-3, it's not as simple as they put it on the, the paper before the game, right? Yeah. You play him on the left. You can play Abraham up front. You play another wing on the right. You play Kai behind. You play two central midfielders. And you go that way. The players understand it. You have not really had a preseason. The players that you've just brought in are brand new. They do not understand the English Premier League. You're trying to complicate simplicity. And that's what it looked like. It looked like Chelsea with a trash back line. Give Reese James some credit at right back. A midfield of strangers, an attack of wanderers. And in the end, they got their just reward, which was a loss. Yeah, and it's interesting when you even look at it and think about the players that Chelsea have invested in. Let's let's point this out. They've invested a lot. They've brought in the likes of Chilwell, Thiago Silva, Ziyech. None of them played yesterday. The only signings that played yesterday were the two Germans up front who, as of right now, I don't think Chelsea have really given much thought into how they're going to make them work. Kai Havertz is a player who, at Bayer Leverkusen, the team was built around him. Whether he played in midfield, whether he played deeper in midfield, or whether he played the false nine role that he ended last season in, the team was built for him. Timo Werner is a similar player in that regard where RB Leipzig built the team around him. The key component for Timo Werner, if you notice, is that at Leipzig, they played with a traditional target man that held up the ball, who linked play, and who freed up space for Werner. There's a lot of criticism for Werner with Germany because Germany don't play with that kind of formation and thus his results for Germany and Leipzig have been very different. He's coming to Chelsea now and what, you're asking Kai Havertz to be a target man? It doesn't make any sense when you think about it that way. Why not try something that you're used to? If we go back to the end of last season, Chelsea actually ended the season with Giroud as their target man because they realized over the course of the season they needed that option. Why are we complicating this? Why are we not just starting the season, Giroud up front, we know he's tried and trusted, and make Werner work off of him until you can get all your players and you can actually build a system and philosophy that works for them. And then you go from there. I said it before, to me, it looks like Frank Lampard is literally starting over fresh. At this point in time, he's starting over fresh and he doesn't even have all of his signings. So what happens when he brings in all of the signings? Does he start over fresh again? The thing that shocks me about Frank Lampard is, if you look at Frank Lampard's career, Frank Lampard played in teams where it was very simplistic in terms of what he, he was asked to do as a midfielder and how he was able to play off of strikers. And in every team that he played with, with the exception of the year with Anelka and Drogba, where Ancelotti tried to play some diamond formation a bunch of times. But in my opinion, I felt like a lot of it was more Anelka pulling out from the pulling to the right coming in. Yeah. I've always felt like Lampard throughout his entire career has always had an option left, an option right to make the field big, right? And he had a runner beside him and a runner behind him, right? Yeah. Yet he's trying to do some kind of system that he never played in. And I'm sure he never coached at Derby. I'm, I'm really trying to figure out, like, who put this in his head? Like, what, when he was playing for Jose, when he was playing for Ancelotti, when he was playing for Sven, was he saying, man, you know what would be really good? For us to try a system that none of us can play. 
yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense, really and truly, where are these ideas coming from? It honestly feels right now, um, who was it that, was it Gary Neville that called David Luiz a PlayStation defender or something PlayStation. to that? To, yes. to that effect, right now it feels like Frank Lampard is a PlayStation manager. He signed some fancy names. He said, oh man, I have two of Germany's most exotic attacking talents. I'm going to try something completely contradictory to not only the players, but to his own philosophy style, to his entire team style. And it just doesn't make any sense right now. If he continues like this, maybe they'll improve with all of the other players, the Zayx, the Pulisic coming back. But right now it doesn't seem to be working. I don't have time to waste <laughs> staying up in the morning watching garbage. And I give Frank Lampard this, this is yeah, players coming in, right? And Christensen, once I saw Christensen Zuma, I know right away they're in trouble because yeah. those two are garbage. Yeah. When I saw Zuma make a pass in the first half, because for some reason Chelsea, that was another brilliant attempt by Chelsea to try and play out from the back. Zuma made a pass between the corner flag and his left back. It was such a brilliant through pass to the stands. <laughs> I could only wonder, I could only wonder in amazement what he must be doing in training and why a few years ago Jose played him in midfield because maybe that's what, that's what they saw because he made such a thrilling through pass. The accuracy to hit the stands was brilliant, yet they kept trying to do it over and over and over again. And I was just disappointed when I heard Gary Neville say that. I'm like, wait, why is the expectations not higher? Okay, I, I agree. The back line isn't very good, right? The goalkeeper has struggles. You know that, right? Mm -hmm. So I can maybe he's thinking we're going to try and defend and defend. But you don't have a back line to defend and defend. You just, you have exciting new signings, right? You've told us all along that you have some academy players in Mount and Abram that you like, right? Are you really telling me that Henderson, Cater, and Wijnaldum, because Fabinho played at centre-back, are that much better than Jorginho, Kovacic, and Kante? And you know I don't even rate Kante. And shout out to Kante. I don't know where he's going to have his next, next good game because he, he normally saves his once a... Uh, once a year, good game versus Liverpool. Didn't think he was particularly good in this game. So maybe, maybe next week against some other frivolous opponent. But I'm pretty sure that Jorginho, Kovacic, and Kante are more than capable to play football against that Liverpool midfield, right? And of course, you might leave yourself open, but Chelsea left themselves open against Liverpool last year, but they were able to get creative results in terms of they were able to create chances, right? You're playing Mason Mount as a central winger off the left. Mason Mount isn't technical enough, nor is he fast enough. So he lacks, he, he loses in both races there. Yeah. Why are you putting him there, right? Of course, I'm not a big fan of his, but I know for a fact that if, you, if you're playing him out there, you're basically setting him up to fail, right? Yeah. So why doesn't he just go with what he knows and and see and just make the make make what what happens happens right because he has players coming in he plays that way at least you know when the other players come in they can slot in right and then maybe maybe by january or february after you've had months of training sessions you've had different cup games we have tried little things for 20 minute spells here then i can see in a game you 
you play this silly rectangle. But until then, what he's doing just made no sense. And I was really disappointed. But I'm not, I'm going to hold back my criticisms of him and Chelsea because it's still only the second game of the season. And you can learn a lot um, as the season goes on about the team versus after the second game. No, yeah, I fully agree with you. I don't think it's time to hit panic stations yet. It's the second game of the season. And as I did point out, a lot of their signings who should make a difference um, just by coming in haven't played yet. Uh, we saw Alonso at left back. He's never been able to play in a back four. I think once Chilwell comes in, that position automatically improves. Thiago Silva, I don't care if he's 40, 45, 50, he'll, he'll obviously be an improvement at centre-half right away. But to me, right now, my only concern with Chelsea right now is um, Frank Lampard. It, it comes down to him, I think. Because I still am confused as to what the goal is. As he said, as I was saying, why not go with something that's tried and trusted once you get your guys back together, then you start to experiment, then you start to explore the possibilities of what these new signings can give you. But right now, like, it just didn't make sense. I, once the game started, I said, this, this doesn't make sense. He's going with the same formation. You said earlier that Trent and Robertson were back to their best after last week. Yeah, sure they were, but the difference is last week against Leeds, um, Leeds played with two wide players who actually tried to attack the space behind the wing-backs and it gave them problems. He played this silly rectangle. Robertson and Alexander-Arnold had the entire flanks to themselves all game, no pressure at all. The only worry was the quick ball out to Timo Werner. And when that happened, it was him against two or three. It, it made no sense. I'm really trying to figure out how could Frank Lampard say that Fabinho was going to play at centre-back and decide that he wasn't going to attack him. They kept trying to play this long ball over the top. I can understand that he might try and rationalise it because he said, oh, we went down to 10 men. But yeah, Christiansen is trash. So, you know, you can understand. And Jorginho missed a penalty. So there's that. But all in all, you look at Chelsea, they mustered up only five shots. And as I said, one of those was a missed penalty. Um, Liverpool had 18 shots. And they had, of course, the majority of the ball, even before 10 men. And the goalkeeper is clearly an issue. So going forward, you have to look forward to Chelsea. They've bought a new goalkeeper. And so obviously they'll make a change there. They'll bring in a new left back. They'll bring in a centre back and hope that he's not done. Zayac, I definitely think that he will come in and he must can make a difference because he's more of a natural wide player that can go past players. So that alone will help. But really and truly, I still just don't understand how comes he just can't give Callum hudson Adoy a try. Like, just give him a try. He can't be that bad. And I think he would more fit the system. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's one that surprised me a lot. Um, the the lack of progress at Chelsea for Callum hudson Adoy. I remember it was not too long ago, Bayern Munich were very much keen on him. His contract was coming to an end. And Chelsea did what they had to do to get him to extend. And apparently they gave him a nice wage packet as well. But since then, he's been injured. He's had some troubles off the field. And I don't know if it's a punishment thing or it's just he doesn't fit Frank Lampard's ideas, whatever those may be. Uh, but it's, it's surprising that he's not getting a chance. Well, that's, that's just how it goes. Chelsea goes forward. I fully expect them to make changes or else they'll be gone. But shout out to Liverpool for getting the result. You know, a lot of times we, we look at a team that wins and we talk about the, the team that loses and what they did wrong. 
Liverpool bounced back very well after their poor defensive performance against Leeds and really stepped up the quality against better players and a better name side in, yeah. in Chelsea. And got the result, and rightfully so, you know. Mane with the two goals, Firmino with the assist. And you look at the fact that they did have to adjust to the fact that Fabinho had to go into midfield. And Thiago made his long-awaited appearance. And to me, this comes back to this, what I've always said. For years, I had to listen to people tell me Kante was world 11. If you just watched Thiago for like, I don't know, 45 10 minutes. minutes. No. <laughs> Let's give He's them dead. the max time. The 45 minutes of Thiago yeah. yesterday. I was, I was saying 10 minutes. That's the same 10 minutes. Like, you must can just look at it. You don't need no statistical data. You don't need no detailed analysis. You can just say, oh, that guy, that one guy over there looks like he is one of the best players on the pitch. And that guy over there looks like he's not close to as good as that guy. Like, one will run the game and one will run around. <laughs> and I was like, I just don't understand how people just cannot. Like, why people kept telling me this? That he was world 11, that they, there was just no evidence of such things. So that's always something that annoyed me. And you know, this people don't listen, like fans don't listen. Like when I when I've criticized Muller, it's almost as if I'm saying that Muller is garbage and he shouldn't be a professional football player. Like I'll say it again: Muller is a very good football player, but he's a role player. He's not top class, he's not world class, but at times he's put up stats that can trick you into thinking that he might be top class, right? Yeah, I don't want to go over Muller. Kante is the same thing. I think he's a very good football player. He could play for a number of football teams in the right system, right role. He can help complete a team, but you need to have at least two better midfielders than him, right? People talk about the Leicester assists. Leicester had 43% on average of the ball. They had Mares and Vardy having the seasons of their life and everything broke right for them. And even then, they, he had another defensive midfielder beside him in Drinkwater, who isn't a very good football player, but everything just worked out right. They defended in numbers, and they were able to launch balls, and Mares and Vardy were able to score clutch goals that kept Leicester always above, ahead of everyone. So, as I've said, he's a very good football player. Um, I don't know how he fits with Georgina. That that puzzle piece just doesn't seem to work. It doesn't work. And the weirdest pivot in the Premier League right now. It doesn't make any sense because they're literally counter counters of each other. Like when I, I, think, I when I think of Kante, when or when as you just said, Kante is a very good player. When you think of the perfect Kante performance, what are you thinking of? You're thinking of interceptions. You're thinking of tackles you're thinking of winning back the ball you're thinking of simple passes to better players with the occasional burst forward where he does that thing where he looks like he's about to fall down but he's <laughs> a kid with a with a trolley just pushing the trolley through yeah. the supermarket just running with it and you're just hoping that it doesn't bounce into everybody but somehow it makes it through because that's how he dribbles exactly. like a kid with a trolley in a supermarket so and he's just going at full blast. And when it works, it looks good. Yeah, so what you're not thinking of is him being on the ball, making passes. Kante yesterday, 90 minutes, made zero tackles, no interceptions. He had, four, he had almost the same amount of possession of the ball as Jorginho. He made, what, 80-ish percent 
pass completion. That is the opposite of what a Kante performance should be. I don't want Kante having as much as the ball as Jorginho. Even worse, when I have 10 men, I need, it, I need him winning the ball. I need him covering space. He did none of that yesterday. So it's not to say that he had a bad game, but it was a nothing game for him because it's not the type of game you want Kante to have, to excel. So really and truly, what is the point of having him out there? Because if he's not doing the things he's great at, he's taking up space and he's limiting the overall capabilities of the football team. As I've said, with, with Conte, it's, it's coming to a point now where you just have to decide, is it going to be Conte or Jorginho? And do you have the midfielders around Jorginho who can cover the, the width and space of the midfield? And yeah. that is where I think Mason Mount would come in. If, you're going, if you want to play Mason Mount, who, as I've said, is a West Ham level player. And he's going he's gonna to start to get a lot of blame, unfortunately, because he is seen as a coach's favorite, yeah. right? But he's playing out of position. And that's just going to be a problem for him. Hopefully he can um, get playing in the right position and we can properly analyze him. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I agree with what you said about Kante. I think it needs to be a decision moment. But the funny thing about this decision moment, I think if Chelsea came out tomorrow and said, we're going to sell Kante, the fans would riot. The majority of them would have lo would lose their mind at the prospect of losing Kante because you say Mason Mount's a teacher's pet, Kante is a fan's pet. They don't want to see him on the team. But I think there needs to be a decision. You're either going to play Kante in a system that works for him or you just get rid of him. Kante. As I've said with, with Chelsea, though, unless Chelsea can find that right balance, they're going to be in trouble. But moving on from Chelsea, though, because I want to wrap this podcast up, Arsenal deserves some credit. Um, getting that, that win against West Ham. You know, I was critical of Arsenal being playing a system that was highly defensive that could try and grind out results against better teams where they ride their luck. Hey, against two poor teams, they were able to get two victories and they deserve some respect for that. And shout out to Jose Mourinho giving a masterclass Jose Mourinho performance. That first half, I thought Southampton, there was no way Southampton was going to lose. Then boom. <laughs> A goal, then another one. Next thing you know, it was four-one. I'm like, how did that happen? You know, you know, yeah. Hurricane four assists on four goals. So it was a, a typical upside-down Mourinho type of performance that was old school. And hey, if you get the results, um, you, you should get some praise because when he doesn't get the results, um, you sure as hell don't get the praise. Yeah, for sure. Arsenal had a second half that would have reminded you of a Jose win and. Spurs had a second half that would have reminded you of a Wengo win. <laughs> it was quite weird. But hey, good props, props to the North London clubs. They got the points that they needed and they moved forward. Yeah, I'm surprised, you know, but, you know, speaking of West Ham, I want to be on point. I really thought that Chelsea were going to buy Declan Rice to kind of replace Conte with, but it seems like that hasn't moved on. Anything else dropped out to you on the Premier League outside of Manchester United, which we can save for later in the week? Uh, that's pretty much the only thing. I, the most ex in entertaining, exciting part of the weekend for me was Manchester's loss. After last week's podcast, I said that what I wanted to see was Man U lose. They did lose. The reactions are funny, but we'll need to talk about Manchester United in a separate podcast. All right. Well, 
Shoto, let's see what Chelsea does going forward. Uh, they have West Brom next week in the Champions League. Champions. Sorry, no, actually in the EPL, sorry. They have Barnsley in one of those silly cup games. <laughs> <I'm mistaken. laughs> yeah, hopefully we see no more of the silly rectangle. You know, that, that, that is something I don't want to see. And shout out to Brighton. Brighton played well against Chelsea and dominated against Newcastle. Really shout out to them. So. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's a team. I, against the Chelsea, in the Chelsea game, I tweeted, why is it that Brighton have so many good players? Because all of them look so good right now. A lot of them will have interest from bigger teams by the end of the season if they keep this up. All right, Stefan, nice talking to you. Um, I'll talk to you later in the week and we can um, figure it all out. All right, man, peace. All right, peace. Bye.